my mind got quiet and I glimpsed something and then my mind got really busy and I got lost in it. And, and we all go through that constantly. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. So this podcast is really all about what it's like to be human, albeit living the life of a coach. And whilst we can often appear to be a rather strange breed, perhaps some of us um, seemingly rather woo-woo or overdosed on pumped up positiveness and talk of infinite possibilities and true selves and consciousness and confidence underneath all of that and hopefully revealed in this podcast are human beings with the same fallacies and fantasies of thought as everyone else and one of my favorite books around this is called being human written by today's guest who is one of the most endearing human beings i've come across i love listening to her podcast changeable and how she warmly explores the nature of our experience the nature of change and indeed what it is to be human i'm a big fan and absolutely delighted to welcome on the coaching life podcast dr amy johnson hello amy hi thank you so much for having me i'm i'm very uh very honored to have been asked to be on your show oh i'm so pleased i've seen you around lots um you're putting a lot of stuff out there and i really love your podcast it is as i said it's just um these really lovely warm conversations with people and i think just demonstrating and exploring people's humanness it's um yeah it's really it's a it's a great podcast i really recommend it um, I'm going to start where I always start. So um, just to help people get to know, like, yeah, what brought you here? What got you here? But I mean, what was it that, well, how did you end up getting into the profession of, of coaching and all that you do now? Where did that begin? Wow. Well, that um, it began a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can, I can remember... I don't know if most people have this experience, most kids have this experience. This may be, I'm sure it's more universal than I think it is because everything is, but, um, but I don't know how typical this is, but I, you know, I can very clearly remember being a little kid in like five, six and, and just looking around and thinking, man, these adults around me are nuts. <laughs> like, they're constantly worrying they're always talking about work and money and you know they don't have fun and everything is about like safety and you know wear a coat and don't go out and you know and it just I remember really from the time of being little honestly like just being so kind of baffled but really insanely curious about that. Like what, you know, what happens when you get old? What is this about? (laughs) That doesn't sound appealing at all. (laughs) No, no, it didn't look appealing. I'm like, Oh gosh, I got to figure this out because I don't want to become one of them. And you know, and, and although I have matured a bit, I mean, a lot of that really stuck with me, you know, and I, and even into adolescence and early adulthood and everything, it just, it became this question of like, 
I saw so many people around me just in my immediate family and where I grew up and stuff that truly, maybe I was just blessed to be born into a family of warriors, but they just worried a lot. And there was, and it's like their, their world. And I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's like, you know, just their world was kind of small. It was like complaining about politics and money and, you know, worrying about things and then paying the bills and then doing it all again on Monday. And I just had the sense that, God, there's more than that. And, and then as I, you know, I, so I was a huge reader of self-help from the time I was really young, actually 10, 11, I was reading Wayne Dyer books and Marianne Williamson and all of them, of course, in miracle stuff. And, um, and my mom had it around the house. That's where I found it. So she was. So she knew there was a better way too. Although she, you know, she did her best to to tap into it. But she had the books anyway. <laughs> so I could always sneak off and read these books. And um, and Zig Ziglar, who was like a motivational sales guy. But I just loved the motivational side. And it kind of just started showing me, like, wow, we can we can think things, and that changes things for you. Like Zig Ziglar would just give these dumb little little mindset tweaks about things and people would go out and be able to sell more. And so that's where my whole fascination with like how we work and where our experience comes from started. I mean, it really was young and it's never faded. It's never gone away at all. I don't think I've ever uh, come across anyone who started reading those kind of books at such a young age. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I guess, of course, we, you can't know any different, of course, of course. But um, just looking back at that, can you see can you see how that might have impacted you through like the typically tough teenage years, perhaps? Yes. Um, yes. And I still this is so interesting. Yes. And I still went through them like we do. Right. So it didn't protect me in a real way, but it did. But yeah, I think I think I always kind of knew there was more there. Were, there were other possibilities. Like, I think I knew that from an early age and probably in large part from those books. It's like, oh, anything's possible. And there are other ways of seeing this. Now, I didn't know how to see it those other ways. <laughs> you know, like I didn't, it felt like a parallel universe that I had to do some things or crack some code to kind of open up the door to this nicer way of, of life. But I think the good part, the important part in that is that I did know, I think from early on that there was. A, there was another way of seeing things always you know wow. which is which is pretty cool oh, well, amazing yeah yeah and i and i and i relate to that not personally as such but um i i came across the realization i had the realization that we're creating our entire experience um when my son was what he was uh, aged 11 or 12 and uh, so then he and I would start, he, you know, we, I was, um, his mother and I had separated at that point. So he would come and stay with me like at the weekends and we, we would have conversations about this kind of stuff. And I can, and just, I can just see, of course, I'll never know how it might have otherwise turned out, but it's been wonderful to even witness in him so young, understanding that aspect of life, understanding yeah. that aspect of life. So uh, I guess it was kind of inevitable then that you would end up in this kind of work what's what's the backstory behind that yeah um I think it was inevitable (laughs) I um I when I was 16 my mom made me go to a landmark forum and um 
so I did that, and I I say made me go. So I, I I won't go into all the detail here, but I had a car accident. My sister was in the car. We were okay, but it was pretty traumatic. And I and I looking back, I can see now I had something you might call a little PTSD around that. So after the car accident, I just started getting nervous a lot, and I was just experiencing a lot of anxiety. Didn't didn't know what was going on, right? Um, but she had come across Landmark herself, and so she thought this would be a good idea. So she lied about my age <laughs> and got me into the adult version of it, not the teenage version that they had. And, of course, you know, I mean, it's a whole weekend, and you have to sit in a chair, and I just hated it. But, um, but after that, something happened. Something shifted for me in that. And I, I had a period of time for probably a week or so where – I was in that parallel universe where I, it's the craziest thing. I still think looking back, like I was just, I mean, I was in high school, but I was going up to kids that I would never talk with and just having conversations and like just doing things that were so out of character. And just, I deeply knew during that period of time that kind of like you said, you know, like, wow, I'm, I'm in this level of thinking all the time. And so I'm seeing life out of this kind of narrow range but there's infinite range available. We just don't know how to get, and I still didn't really know how to get in or out of it or how that worked because it felt like just some miracle had happened to me. You know, I didn't realize I had kind of had an insight and seen things, but anyway, so for that week or so that it lasted, um, I mean, everything was different. And then gradually my old thinking kind of came back and a lot of that, you know, went away. But that that experience too was just gigantic. And I think I, I knew more than ever that this is for sure the work I want to do uh, or just what I want to do with the rest of my life, really. Um, and so, and so <laughs> after that, that was when I was 16. So I went to college, studied psychology, went to graduate school, studied psychology, and started really having issues with anxiety and was, you know, at a point in graduate school where I was afraid to leave my apartment. I mean, it was, it was bad. I wasn't going home for holidays. It was, it was really hard for a while having tons of panic attacks all the time. And that was interesting because of course, in that, in that I thought, what the heck happened to me? You know, and I, it was so far from, from the things I had sort of touched over the years. And I think that made it worse for me in my head, because I thought, what kind of cruel joke is this? You know, I've, I've glimpsed possibility and now I'm in this, you know? Yeah. And so it just felt horrible and so, so confusing, you know? And, and then, of course, I'm like, I'm studying psychology. I have to change my career. I can't ever help people. And, you know, I didn't have this bigger understanding of how thought moves and works. It just felt like, wow, I went from this to this. And so, um, so yeah, that was a really tough time. Yeah. 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 When you look back at that time now, what was it that was missing in your understanding then? Yeah, it's a good question. Um a lot, <laughs> but two big things. I mean, and, and it's interesting that these are kind of the basis of what a lot of what I share today with people is that one, that that ex my experiences weren't me. So when I had this huge, amazing insight and life was wonderful, I think in some way I, it still looked like, 
it, that was about me in some way. Like, ooh, like I cracked the code and now I'm going to have this enlightened life and now I can help all these people. I mean, I was thinking that, I think, as a 16-year-old. And then, so of course, when I when I found myself in all this anxiety, that was all about me too. And so I think that was that made it so much harder, so much harder because it just felt so personal and, you know, and meaningful and like it was the world trying to show me something and, and I don't see it at all like that now. I mean, now I can see, no, I just, it makes perfect sense, you know, that my mind got quiet and I glimpsed something and then my mind got really busy and I got lost in it. And and we all go through that constantly it, it, within a day, within an hour and over a lifetime, right? I mean, that is what life is yeah. <laughs> in, in many ways, but I didn't know that. So it, so it looked very personal. Yeah. I mean, I've often said that, um, pe- people will say there's an ebb and flow to life, but to me it looks like, well, the ebb and flow is life. Exactly. As you've said there, that, that is life. That's the life force yeah. just flowing, ebbing and flowing through us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bring us a little bit more up to date. You're studied, you're studying psychology I mean, were you taking, what, what, what were you taking from that experience into your work? Because what was it? You be, did you become a therapist first before you came across this understanding? Could you bring us a little bit more up to date with that? Yeah. So I studied, um, I studied a lot of clinical psychology and in the end uh, realized that wasn't for me because it was, I could sense even then it was all about, um, just basically superimposing this medical model on human minds and saying, wow, people get really sick and diseased and broken, and then we need to hurry up and medicate and fix them. Mm. And I knew from all the, I mean, I, again, by this time I had been reading everything Wayne Dyer ever wrote for 20 years, right? Like I knew that wasn't true. I deeply knew that wasn't true, even though I had all these professors and all this, you know, infrastructure (laughs) in society telling me it was. Um, I just couldn't get on board with the whole, the way clinical stuff was treated. So I studied social, I, I changed to social psychology. So social psychology is more about how, this is how they say it, is like how healthy people, everyday people just are, why we do the things we do. So not about getting someone better, but just really what makes us tick and why do we do things in, out in the world. And that was a lot closer to what I was interested in. So I ended up... Um, getting my degree in that and um, the path for that typically was to become a professor but I didn't really want to sit in an office and become a be a professor I knew I needed to share this with people in a real life kind of way um, and so I after graduate school I found a I had a corporate job for a while um, that wasn't coaching related or helping related um, and it didn't take long before I realized, no, this is fine to pay the bills for now. This is a stepping stone, but I, I really want to be out there working with people. And it was crazy. I mean, this was in 2005-ish. And coaching, I don't know about over there, but I mean, like nobody knew what the heck a coach was really in 2005. Yeah. It was right around that time when it started to gather some steam and like people became a thing. But um, it was so tiny and so random. And especially like everybody from from my world, from graduate school and all that said, what are you doing? Like, you just got this degree and you're going to become a life coach. What is that? And, you know, it just made no sense to anyone. But it was the closest thing I could see that was, you know, what we do and what I wanted to do. So I started studying coaching and and, um, was certified as a coach 
around 2006, seven, like kind of spent a good few years there getting a bunch of coaching certifications and just getting in there and starting to work with people. And so during that time, what was for you the most challenging thing in, in getting a coaching business off the ground? Um, a lot of it was challenging. So what I was doing was blogging because that's what people did in 2006 and seven was blogging this thing called blogging. There was, you know, Facebook was there, but it was not popular. Um, so it was, it was really just a matter of, you know, writing and I would blog three, four times a week. I would do it a lot and just kind of one person would hear something and maybe pass it on. So I had this little trickle of clients from the beginning, but it was a trickle and it was a while before it was going to be something that could support me. So I kept my corporate job. I had my corporate job for a long time actually after that while I was blogging and just making that trickle a little more of a stream. But it definitely took a while. I mean, what was easy is that I loved it and that blogging when I got done working or on my lunch break, no problem. Talking with clients at night or on weekends, no problem because I loved it. So that helped a ton. You know, it kind of kept me going while I had these kind of two things. Um, but it definitely took a lot of time for me to, to grow this to a place where it could financially support me for sure. So was there a very clear time in that where it's like, okay, there's more coaching work than I can handle whilst having a corporate job? Could you tell us a little bit about about transitioning out of that? Yeah, it... Um, it my corporate job became something that I could kind of do in my sleep <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't take a lot of time, honestly. So it was, so I held on to that for a long time and was just coaching, you know, and I could, I, I had a lot of flexibility in the other job, the corporate job where I could kind of start to do that sometimes even more at night. Cause I didn't have to be in a place at a time and all that kind of stuff. So it, there was, there were some clear moments, some that I paid attention to and others that I didn't, <laughs> but there's that, you know how that is. It's like, there's a lot of growing pains in that. There's a lot of like, I had a lot of fear of letting that go, even though it looked like, you know, the coaching thing was definitely picking up enough. And so I wouldn't say there was this one moment where it all became clear, but it just was definitely like a gradual thing where it's like, yeah, okay, I think it's time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, unlike me, actually, I just, I, I, I leapt off the cliff twice. In fact, like I, you mentioned like 2005 coming, you know, starting coaching. And that was when I came across the, the concept of coaching and I realized that that was the aspect of the work that I've been doing in my leadership roles that I enjoyed the most. So I just quit my job actually in 2005 and I thought, right, I'm going to make a go of a, a coaching business and failed miserably and went back into corporate within a year for another five years or so. I'm curious then, because where in all of this did you come across the principles and you know the understanding that, that we often talk about on this podcast? I, um, yeah, I was initially trained in 2006, seven, eight, nine by uh, Martha Beck. And she, um, she relies on a lot of like Byron Katie's work and a lot of, um, I, I guess a lot of her own stuff, which is not all that different. I mean, it's different, but you know, it's, it, she's very spiritual. Like it's, it's, it's not like a completely different realm than the principles or this understanding. But, um, 
but it's different enough. So I was doing that and doing a lot of Byron Katie stuff. And then I came across the principles in um, 2011 or 12. Sounds like around the same time you did, right? Right around in that window. I think maybe 12. Um, and it just, the switch from how I had been doing things to just having more of this kind of conversation, again, like just super, um, pretty easy. It just, you know, I didn't, I didn't decide, okay, now I do this. I mean, I still haven't ever decided that. <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds like you're similar and like I do whatever comes out of my mouth. Like, I don't know, maybe something from social psychology informs what I do now. I don't, I don't know. We don't know. But, but there definitely was some shifts in how I saw things and shifts in the conversation that just made it a pretty seamless kind of switch. I mean, do you recall like any nudges, that things that might feel like nudges or where it got a bit uncomfortable doing something and you felt you needed to change? Yeah, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of a, um, of a patch around kind of not doing the work, Byron Katie's work with people, because I mean, that wasn't what a lot of my clients at that time kind of expected, even though they didn't really care. I see that now, they didn't, they don't care. They just wanted me to help them. You know, they don't mm -hmm. care what method I use in my head, the method was big because it was my head. Right. So, um, but there were, yeah, there was some time there when I would kind of typically go into really looking at thought content and questioning it and all of that. And I just kind of had these moments where I'm like, I just don't think this makes sense anymore. And, and even just subtle things that were big for me, like little things around language. So, um, I had been really influenced. I had a binge eating issue at that point in my life, around that point. And um, I had been really influenced by this this book called Brain Over Binge, where it's very just from a brain science perspective. And this woman talks about um, how to, what to do with urges and how, to, how you can feel urges. And then we just look away and we let, we, we do something else and the urges are going to die out. And just, just the language that, that really impacted me initially. But then I kind of started to see as I got into this, this bigger view of things like, yeah, that's putting a ton of instruction around how to manipulate our thinking. It's no different than what I used to do, you know? And so I could see times like that when it just, it's like hit a kind of a new level of like, oh no, this is a different conversation now. Again, I'm sure my clients didn't even notice it, but I felt it. I think it's really unusual. I don't think I've spoken to anybody who's had quite that evolutionary journey in into and through this understanding. Um, for most people, it's like, oh my God, I came across this understanding and then my life changed kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I had some of that for sure, but I think I think maybe because I had been doing this work already for so long when I came across it it just yeah it was a little more of a transition I don't know more of an evolution um you've written a couple of great books highly recommend them um and uh, and as I said in the intro I, I really loved that first book which is a, a collection of essays and um how did that come about how did that come about for you because there'll be people listening to this who uh yeah want to get something out there yeah, I um this it's a a good question on what we've been talking about because I had just written a book called Modern Enlightenment right before I came across the principles. I was actually finishing up that book as I came across the principles. So, um it was and it was like, you know, it was my very first book all by myself and it was also a collection of essays, but it was it was kind of 
heavy handed, I would say now, you know, very like kind of here's what you do and think this and that kind of stuff. Um, still, I don't know, still good, still okay. It didn't feel totally weird to me as soon as I came across the principles, but I really quickly saw, eh, I would do that whole thing different, which was kind of crushing <laughs> because I had, you know, a brand new baby and this is like, you know, one and a half year old. And I had just written a book and I was like, oh my gosh, a book. And again, this is before everybody and their brother had written a book. So it was like, I was so proud of myself and I wrote yeah. this book and really like the minute I finished it, I'm like, yeah, I kind of hate that book. <laughs> so I was not looking to write another book, but I just started just journaling and blogging still. And, and it was early, early days of the principles and that's what became being human. So even in being human, I think there are probably some things I might say differently now, but it, it was really, it was really beautiful how it came about. Cause it's like, it kind of, it was not me setting out to write a book. It really kind of came through me as I was seeing this understanding and through the eyes of having these two little kids around that were really showing me, you know, how it worked. And it's really fascinating. I was I was hoping that I would have draw, drawn that out actually that you you didn't set out or you you weren't writing a book. And I often suggest to people who are like, well, I want to write a book, but you don't write a book. You just write, and you know yeah. you write write a page at a time or even a paragraph or a sentence at a time. And the book in in essence becomes a byproduct of that process of just simply writing. Yeah. Um, so. As far as your evolution goes through through where you are now, and I want to come to that. So there's a second book, the little book of big change. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Just for the listeners to let you know, I got the title right on about the third attempt. Okay, so um, yes, the little book of big change, fabulous book. What was the evolution from first book to second book, and changeable the podcast? Is there? Did you see something specifically about? change that that you wanted to focus on yes um so i wrote being human or it kind of wrote itself and i compiled it into a book right and i was done because i just had this one that i hated and now i had being human which i liked and now i just had to go live my life and not write for as much you know like i was done and literally phil i'm not kidding you i mean weeks, weeks after being human was self-published and after it was out there on Amazon, somebody from, from a publishing company contacted me and said, will you write a book for us? <laughs> like, you should think about writing a book. And I said, I have just written two books. And they said, we know, we saw your self-published books. What about doing one here? And, and so I was, again, but it, it just fell together so easily. It's like, here's the, you know, it just fell together perfectly. And I really was at that point, I, you know, we haven't talked about this too much in our conversation, but I did have this big habit for eight years, this binge eating bulimia habit, and it was gone, like more gone than I ever thought it would be. I felt completely free of it at that point. And so there definitely was something in there that was like, man, you got to share that. And I knew I would eventually, I just didn't think I would yeah. at that point, but that's how life showed up. So I jumped on it. So, um, so I wrote that book. And, um, and then it, you know, and then people liked it and wanted to hear more about it. And I found myself loving working with people with habits and all that. So that kind of became just my life for a few years. And, um, and then changeable came about a little bit after really, I mean, changeable was like three years after the little book of big change was published. 
And it, and it was again, because I don't hate the little book of big change the way I hate my first book. <laughs> I really don't. I, but, 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 you know, there's a lot of stuff I'd say differently. I just yeah. see it in a big way now. And so I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? And a podcast felt like the perfect thing. So now it's, it's getting to kind of share it the way it looks today, which I'm sure I'll hate in a few years, but that's the way it goes. So can you, can you say with any degree of certainty how clients are finding you? Because as I said, I, I, I see quite a lot of you. You're creating a lot of content, both, you know, coming onto podcasts like this, doing webinars, fantastic books, your own podcast. So um, like for you now, how, how are people finding you? Um, the book, the little book, a big change is, is been very big for me. I think if I have to make this, up, I have to make it up cause I don't know the answer, but I think, um, it has a good title that I did not come up with, by the way, my publishers came up with that title. But I think when people are looking to like, they know willpower doesn't work. The subtitle is the no willpower approach to breaking any habit. I just think that resonates with people yeah. and it's, and it's a little book. And they can get through it. And so I just think a lot of people have come to this understanding in my work because they're just struggling, you know, and they know that all they have is willpower and they know there's got to be a better way. So that's a definitely a big path in. Nowadays, a lot of people do listen to the podcast, but my hunch is that I don't have all the data around this, but my hunch is that a lot of those people kind of are familiar already and it lands with people it's a deeper kind of conversation I think yeah. it's not really an entry-level thing so I think that helps people see this more deeply and stick around but I don't think it's an I don't think it's the introduction for a lot of people um, and then like you said doing this kind of stuff it's it's crazy to me I've I do a lot of the not a lot but every once in a while I'll be part of like some some summit or something like that I used to do that a lot more in the past when I was really focused on kind of growing and um, and, and I, every time almost when I would get done doing something like that, like I did this one called the kick sugar summit. So it's for people that think sugar is horrible and which is not me, <laughs> but, um, so, and they're very evangelistic. I mean, very like, Oh no sugar. And I, and I knew that. And, and I said, I'm going to see if I can go in and just share this and see what, what impact I can have. And it's going to go one or two, one of two ways. Mm -hmm. They're either going to be totally into it and it's going to stop them in their tracks or they're going to not even play my episode, <laughs> you know, so I'll waste an hour of my life. Big deal. But, um, I've done a lot of things like that, that when I do like a live event and we go around the room and people kind of introduce themselves, it blows my mind how many people say that they came into this conversation because I did that one interview on the kick sugar summit or, and that's just an example, you know, but it always like, reminds me oh my gosh like I can get in my head about how most of the world doesn't see things this way and it's hard to find other people that resonate other professionals and practitioners if they're not in this little you know non-dualism or three principles community I think we see things in a really different way and I that can feel very isolating but if I can get <laughs> get away from that for a minute and just go out and talk wherever I just see over and over again that it that people hear something in this and it it pulls them into it and it's yeah so that's been big. And one thing I love in you know in listening to and, and watching you is um, you do talk in <laughs> layman's terms if you like, but you're talking in and I talk to 
um, other coaches about this and don't try and sell like the solution. I don't think anybody is sitting at home on the sofa wishing they were in touch with their true self or, you know, oh, I really wish I knew who I really am. And I noticed that even your book title basically is connecting with how people see the world, you know, through their eyes, perhaps without this understanding. Yes. And I think it's hard for those of us who have been really touched by this to do that. Mm -hmm. Really hard. It's hard for me too, because we know what's available. Mm -hmm. We know that it really is so much bigger than some stupid little problem you have. I mean, it is so much bigger, but you're absolutely right. You don't know that until you know it. And I would have never bought some solution about seeing my true self, but fix a problem, sure, you know. Yeah. So, so it's tough because I think I talk with with coaches like us too, and it we can feel, you know, they can feel like they're kind of selling out or selling it short or not speaking to what's possible. And and in a sense, we are, but we're but the way I see it, I guess, is yeah, we're just looking to the people we want to help and saying it in words they can hear. Exactly that. To me, that's just part of connecting with somebody. Like connecting, developing that relationship with somebody, you need to be talking in the same language as them. Um, So that, yeah, that just seems to make perfect sense to me. So what's been, I mean, you mentioned about your your binge eating and stuff, but through perhaps the last, I don't know, four or five years, what has been the the toughest thing for you to deal with? Has it all been (laughs) a breeze and rosy? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) it has actually (laughs) Um, for me the toughest the toughest thing this whole business thing I absolutely love it I love um, I love what we do but I love I also love the business side of it I love being an entrepreneur and I love thinking of ways to grow and I know a lot of coaches don't but I mean I really love both sides of it um, sometimes it's hard to keep both sides kind of see them as independent, you know, like, like I can still, like, I know the impact that this has and that I help people and the things I've helped people with and all that. And I want to see that translate into why doesn't the world know this and why isn't this bigger, you know, and sometimes it just doesn't cross over in that way. But I think the hardest thing for me has really been, um, this the business side of things and just I don't even know how to say it like growing I feel like growing a business um and evolving and put and putting yourself out there especially and you're right I do that a lot and it's not always easy but like I feel like that's the biggest um kind of self-development process we can go through sometimes I mean when you especially when you launch something like I do maybe not especially this is just what I know but like I launch my little school of big change twice a year I mean <laughs> that's it's like all of a sudden for two three weeks I am everywhere and I'm trying to share this with all my heart and help show people what's possible also keeping an eye on what we were just saying of like you know, where, what they can hear and what's, what's, you know, what's graspable for them and helping them see why, how this could change for them. But then also trying to stay kind of unattached to the outcome and all that good stuff and not put all my eggs in one basket and know that it's okay. If I, you know, if I can help a hundred people or I can help 500 people, it's all good. Or one person, it's all Mm -hmm. good. And so, I mean, just the emotional, 
up and downness of that. And and interestingly, I mean, I think that's the thing that this understanding has helped me the most with because <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be the kind of person that will put a book out or a, do a launch or something and not have a gigantic emotional roller coaster. But at least I know what it is. <laughs> at least I've seen now, you know, over and over. Yep, that's part of it. Get over yourself and just go do your thing, you know, but doesn't mean it doesn't suck at times. Yeah. And, I, and another way I might have asked, you know, the, the question I asked you was, um, what might surprise people to know about you? Because here you are, you are, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching and you're sharing and coaching people around this understanding. And yet, yes, being human does mean that, I mean, people call them thought storms. I kind of like that analogy, you know, because it, it, it feels like, oh, there's a storm going on here. And uh, what do we do with it? Well, it just, it, it passes. And just knowing that, like, this is not a permanent state. There's just something in that. There's something in this, that knowing that, okay, cool. Yeah. And, and you know, it is still an interesting thing. Um, so I have this community and we have weekly calls. They, Yeah, this we have weekly calls. And, and weekly around, you know, year round. So I show up weekly for these people. Now we're showing up for each other. I'm really not even their leader anymore. In it. I mean, I lead the conversation, but man, they taught me way more than I've taught them. And we're really just a community together. But it's still a hard thing sometimes when I'm like feeling defeated or I'm feeling all vulnerable from putting something out there, you know, and then it's like switching over to this and, and being in this community and having this exploration where, you know, just by the design of it, I sort of am their leader in a sense, I'm leading the calls. And, but that has been so huge to see how I, and just feeling into this, how it is exactly what you said. It's like, it's just us. It's like just warts and all, no Photoshopping, <laughs> just like your podcast, you know, yeah. and that is the thing that's helped so many people. So even though I've, seen that a lot by now it's like my mind is still like what like you're a mess how are you gonna go lead this call sometimes you know and then I'm like oh yeah that's exactly how I'm gonna go lead this call I'm gonna go tell them what's going on and we're gonna look at how it's we're all the same and yeah yeah and I again yeah find I find that over and over again it it is (laughs) there just seems to be something very powerful impactful about just showing yeah I'm, I'm human too Something very powerful about that. If I could wave a magic wand on your on your business, um, what what might you like to change? Oh, good question. Um, you know, I I it's really simple. I love the way things have have kind of evolved. So right now, my whole business is leading the little school of big change and supporting that community. And I do that twice a year, but there's an ongoing community that's all the time. But I lead the course twice a year. And just in the last year and a half or two years, I've been training coaches and, and they, they feed into each other nicely because the people who go through the school and get impacted sometimes want to share this and then they share this and they go and they help in the school. So it's this beautiful little container, super simple business model, which is very important to me. Um, I want to change almost nothing about that, except I just want to reach more people. So once they're here, I'm in bliss, but it's the thing of like, you know, just those random questions, like people will just, and I do this little ask Amy thing. So people send me a lot of questions, but it's like this question about, 
I have this intrusive thought. You can't tell me this thought doesn't mean something about who I am. And, and you know, you hear something like that and you know there are millions of yeah. people yeah. up in that exact same thing. And so, you know, I do what I can. I answer that question. I put it out there for as many people as possible to hear it. But I always am just like, man, and this isn't about me. It's just about this understanding and all these human ways it comes at us. It's like, how can this, these, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, 10,000 people that just heard this or 20,000 people on a really great video that just heard this somehow, why isn't that millions, you know? And like, how do we just get this out there like mm -hmm. that? So mm -hmm. it's fun. It's a little angsty at times. It's a whole emotional <laughs> roller coaster, but it's like, the way things are now, I love them. I just wish it was bigger and more. Yeah. And that's probably a very unspiritual answer. <laughs> that's the answer. I want more, more, bigger, faster. <laughs> so if we've got people listening to this that haven't yet perhaps reached that nirvana of um, supporting themselves through coaching, whatever stage they are with their, with their coaching career, what might you suggest that they look at? I think... Um, the biggest thing we can do, well, I don't know if this is universal, but this is how it kind of was for me and what I see for a lot of people is, and people hate this answer and I understand it, but like, just start giving it away. Like start in any way you can really helping, helping people. And so again, you, you can do that by writing you can do that by making videos. You can do that by having a podcast. You, if you hate all everything online, you can do that by having a conversation, by going to your kid's school and having a free group for parents. By like, There's so many ways now that we can just get out there. And I think there are so many ways that we can get out there that people get paralyzed by it. Yeah. And they think they have to do them all or do one perfectly. And that's ridiculous. No one is doing this perfectly. And in fact, if you're, if you're all polished and perfect, at least this is what I tell myself, if you're all polished and perfect, you're really not even as relatable. So, Hey, just throw it out there and just say it, you know? And I think, I think I've just seen that over and over again, you know, that we, the more you're just out sharing, people can relate to you and they, they are helped already. So either way, you're doing something great and it's got to come back and support your business. I think it's so. It's, that is key. You're really giving, that, that is about giving people an opportunity to get to know you and your work yeah. in whatever shape yeah. and form that that takes. So that's finally then, Amy. It's really, uh, <laughs> well, I knew I would love chatting to you. It's been, it's been beautiful. And I, and I wish people could, could see actually the, the enthusiasm and energy as well. I'm sure that comes across, um, you know, um, in the audio, but yeah, it's been wonderful, beautiful to see that. So in summary for you, what is the purpose of your work? It's really that thing I kind of sensed when I was a little kid, you know, like, wow, there's, there's infinite ways of seeing life and being in life and infinite ways we can feel. And the one that we're in, in this very moment is not, we are not locked into it. So it's like just this feeling of possibility and fluidity and however things look and feel right now, you can't possibly be stuck there. So it, it hopefully gives people hope. And with hope, I think everything starts to loosen up and shift. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I mean, include links to all of your stuff. Well, not all of it. The, the notes would be rather long, but I will include links to, to your stuff um, in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been really beautiful and enjoyable to have you on the Coaching Life podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
and there we have it another episode of the coaching life podcast i hope you enjoyed this one with dr amy johnson you can find links to what amy is up to in the show notes or simply go to dramyjohnson.com as always i'd love to hear from you what you've got from this episode and how you will use that in your coaching practice please get in touch and maybe we'll explore together how you can use what you've heard and anything else that will help you build your prosperous coaching life if you've enjoyed this and any other episode please take a couple of minutes to leave a review on apple Podcasts. it makes a huge difference to help others find us and if you do that please let me know so that i can thank you personally and please share these episodes with your coaching colleagues and friends to help them get an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life okay until next time thank you very much for listening i wish you much love and joy Thank you.